The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. March 31, 2020. United States of America is basically closed for business. Many are broke, without options, cannot pay their mortgage or cannot pay their rent, cannot make their car payment. We're facing restrictions on movement the likes of which I have never seen in in all my years. The stores that are open have never fully restocked after the panic weeks, leading to shelves barren of things like meat, flour, toilet paper, and rice. Yesterday I went to buy eggs, and fortunately they did have eggs. But there were many empty shelves, It was obvious the store had never been restocked. Why? Not because they don't want to restock their store, but because the supply line is broken. Walmart is receiving just a fraction of what they order. They are not able to get the products to fill their shelves. The shipping has dried up from China, It's only a matter of time before these issues combined to make the flashpoint of immense civil unrest and violent crime in America. Unemployment is skyrocketing. 
people are losing their jobs. Stores are being boarded up because they are expecting riots. Now, I went yesterday on my way home to a park, and there were many families out, couples walking together, enjoying the sunshine, enjoying the warmth of spring and the flowers. That will soon end as they don't have food to eat, as they run out of food. Many people only have the food they went out and shopped for at the beginning, believing that this would be just very short, maybe two or three weeks at most. No. America is in very, very serious trouble. The coronavirus is eating away at the very fabric of our nation. It is a crisis beyond anything modern history has seen. Not just America, but the world is shut down. I go by the stores and they're all closed. The Starbucks closed. Everything shut down. What are you going to do? Do you live in a neighborhood where people are close together, where riots will take place? And where are you going to flee? Where will you run? Where will you go? What will you do? This pandemic is very serious and it is bringing, it is looking like the perfect storm for destruction. Many of you are filled with fear and dread. And many pastors are coming on the airwaves and they're telling you to just relax Jesus has everything under control. But as your rent is not paid and your mortgage is not covered and you run out of food and your children are beginning to cry with hunger, what are you going to do? Where do you go? You're trapped. So many pastors are coming on and saying, don't worry, be happy. We can make it through this together. <coughs> I don't believe that. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to speak to you the very truth of God today. I want you to listen very carefully. What I'm going to share with you will be frightening. But if you will listen, and if you will do what I ask you to do, the Spirit of God will come and will give you very specific direction. Now is not a time to comfort one another. Now is a time to look at reality. I have said many times, I am the pastor of Reelsville. 
I don't do well with sentimentality. I don't do well with fantasy. And we've been living in a fantasy in America, thinking that it would not stop, that it would go on forever like it is. Not to worry, we'll find a way through, we're the great Americans. No, God has brought judgment upon the world and upon America. You may say, Pastor, stop, stop, stop. Why would God bring judgment on America? 60 million babies murdered in the womb since Roe versus Wade? Fornication? Uncleanness? Violence? Unjust judgments in the courthouse? We have a legal system, but not a just system. Hedonism? Every kind of wicked pleasure is being performed in America. Every kind of perversion is lifted up as being good. Churches are flying the rainbow flag. Are you kidding me? How is that possible? These churches are apostate. They have left the faith. They are following their own minds and their own hearts. They know not the word of God. Now, I'm not angry, but I'm very serious. What's happening in this nation, in the sin of this nation, has brought the judgment of God down upon our nation. If God had not brought this judgment on America, he would have to go back and apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you understand what I'm saying? I want to take you to the book of Second Peter. Peter is now at the end of his life. He will soon be crucified. He will be crucified upside down and his wife will be crucified with him. And as they're crucifying her, we're told in history that he's encouraging her to be strong. He's encouraging her to be faithful to Jesus. And they crucify him upside down because he says he's not worthy to be crucified like Jesus. And so these words that I'm going to share with you today are very, very serious words. This man knows that he and his wife will shortly die on the cross, crucified in the most painful and hideous death the Romans could think up. So these words are the words of a man who knows he will soon die. And he can't play games, and he can't please the flesh. He can't speak with soothing words. I went to hear an Anglican bishop preach. And he was so wonderful in his kind message. He spoke with truth. And then suddenly, as he came to the end of his message, he pulled the punch. 
He didn't call them to repent. He just left them with the, the soothing kindness of his heart, but he didn't leave them with the heart of God. I was heartbroken. I left weeping, crying, because I knew these precious men he'd spoken to at this men's breakfast were utterly deceived by their bishop. He spoke out of human flesh some truths of God, but not the truth of God, to repent and humble your heart before God. I know that it's God's intention. It's God's great desire that you pass from death to life. If you have not gained the victory over your sins, I can tell you with certainty that you will die in your sins and you will be punished in hell. God requires you to pray in faith and in the spirit of repentance. But you cannot pray for real forgiveness without committing yourself utterly and completely to His will. God calls you to repent today, right now, to get a new heart, to stop and renounce all excuse-making, all unbelief, all hardening of your heart, and every wicked thing your heart desires forever. Now let me look with you at this very sobering word that the Apostle Peter, remember the Apostle Peter, he walked with Jesus. He was called the rock. Peter proclaimed the gospel of Jesus and called for repentance of all men. Remember the day of Pentecost? He said, repent. Turn from your wicked ways. It's this Peter. Second Peter, the third chapter. There's something he wants us to understand very clearly. It gives us a context to understand what he's trying to say to us. He says, In the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Now he's saying, look, things are not going to continue as they always have been. And I can tell you today with great sorrow in my heart, the America that you and I have grown up in and known is over. It will never go back to what it was. America is finished. Jesus is coming again. 
Now you will hear that foolish men will say, look, back in the 1600s, they said that that was the apocalypse and that as this black plague spread, Jesus was coming. No, it was judgment and awakening. And those who repented and turned away from their sin and died will be saved. So for those people, all of them who repented in the 1600s, it was the apocalypse. It was the end of the age for them. And millions of people died. Millions of people died. There was a time when God created the world and the heavens. But verse 6, 2 Peter 3, verse 6, But these waters, by these waters also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. So, you think this could never happen. Well, tell me, what were you doing three weeks ago? Everything seemed normal, didn't it? We weren't locked down in our homes. The District of Columbia, fining people hundreds of dollars if they leave their house. And it's not for an emergency or an essential need. Maryland, Virginia, and many other states locked down, unable to travel, unable to go on vacation. Basically, April, we lose. We're locked down. And April will see not a, not a drop in the stock market. April will see a plunge in the stock market. I mean, what do you expect to happen when people can't go to work? When people are unemployed? Countless numbers of people who worked gigs or worked in restaurants or worked in retail, they're out of jobs. There's no money. For Pilgrim's Progress, something happened that I've not had to face before in this way. We're still $340 short of paying this month's radio bill after three days of offertory. And the offerings that have come have come from many of you, but they've been much smaller offerings. $50, $25. I'm very grateful for each of you who's contributed, but we still can't pay for radio for the month of March. Now, Last night as I prayed, all the Lord would say was, lift your hands before me and I'll provide. I'll carry you. So I know he's going to move in some of your hearts and you're going to give and this month is going to be covered. I praise God for that. 
But what do you think's going to happen when when people's pensions are destroyed? Some of you live on pensions, and those pensions are being destroyed. 401s. They're being utterly destroyed as the stock market drops, as it will plunge. Do you understand? We'd never dreamed this could happen, and yet almost overnight, I have I have a list here, several lists of things that I wanted to buy, antibiotics, candles, lamp oil, batteries, some five-gallon cans of, of gas, things that I need. I need kitchen shears. I need kitchen knives. I need glasses and, and dishes. And I need a new toaster. I need... Do you hear what I'm saying? I didn't go buy them. Instead, I gave the money to help others. I thought... I can I can buy them later. I can't. The stores that sell them are closed. It's not going to continue as it was. And and Peter is saying, "Look. The present Heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. This is going to happen. That's what Peter is saying. You won't be expecting it. It will just happen suddenly, unexpectedly. Everything's going to end. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And I'm crying out to you today, come in repentance before Jesus. Our president, I was so proud of him, as he called for a day of prayer for America, a day of prayer and fasting. I was heartbroken, however, that he did not go the next step and say, prayer, repentance. He didn't say repent for the sins of America, for the murder of our babies. I can tell you right now, Roe versus Wade would not have ever happened if the Christians in America had stood up and said, this can't happen. But many Christians were utterly deceived. One woman, a leader in her local church, was so argumentative with me, saying, abortions are a woman's right. Not so. The placenta is not her DNA. It is a different DNA. The baby's DNA is different. This mother in her womb in an act of love, hopefully, instead of just lust, 
created a new life, the prerogative of God. Now, this new life is not the mother's life. The mother is simply given the right of sheltering and nourishing this little bit of life, this living soul in her womb. But if she becomes arrogant and proud and says, let's kill it. As Andrew Como said, kill it. Do you understand? Abortion is murder. America is going to have to repent for that or the judgments of God will continue on this nation. And we will finally be utterly destroyed with an enemy coming in upon us like the Babylonians came in on Israel. And then the endless wars, the murder of so many innocent people, millions of innocent people have been murdered by American wars. And why were we there? Was it the military-industrial complex that President Eisenhower warned us so sternly about in his final messages to America? Was it money that caused us to murder so many? How is it that we can be, I believe, the number one exporter of military weapons? so that other nations can use our technology and murder many, many people. America is going to have to begin to confess its wickedness before God. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of the Lord and speed its coming. That day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness, real righteousness, not phony, made-up, shell-game, cheap righteousness, where you say, the blood of Jesus covers me, and, and when God looks at me, he doesn't see me, he just sees Jesus. What a subtle, wicked lie. It's just not true. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Back here 
in the book of Matthew. Is it in Matthew? Let me see if I can find it quickly. Um, not finding it quickly. The Lord's just speaking it to my heart. Let me just tell you what it is. Oh, here it is. It's in Matthew uh, 13, of course. Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. Jesus is saying, look, this is what the kingdom of God is. It's worth everything. But then, turns very serious. In verse 47, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake, and it caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. He's talking about people who've come to the church. Then they sat down and they collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into a fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood these things, Jesus asked? Yes, they replied. Now, if you look before that, verse 40, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? The day is coming when if you are wicked and have not repented before God, you will be cast into that fire. And the final judgment of God will be pronounced over you. And you will burn. Peter is saying, look, God is patient with you. He's calling you to repent. And then in Second Peter, the third chapter. He's speaking about the Apostle Paul. He says, 
He writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letter contains some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do other scriptures to their own destruction. So he's saying people are going to take the book of Romans and they're going to distort the word of God. They're going to make believe that you are saved even as you walk in your sin. Can you imagine a more dishonest theological position that you can be in Jesus and in the devil at the same time? Pastors have been ignorant and unstable. They've been led by the powers of darkness to interpret the scriptures that you can be in sin and in Jesus at the same time. Impossible. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the air of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Peter is saying in the very last words of his message before he is crucified, look, you can fall from your secure position. Don't believe these lying pastors, prophets, teachers, who say you can't ever stop sinning. Look at First John, the third chapter. Read it carefully. They say you can't stop sinning. You're always going to be a sinner. They make up ways to interpret the scriptures. The air of lawless men who reject the teachings of scripture about sin and righteousness, causing you to fall from your secure position. There's no such thing as once saved, always saved. That's a lie from the pit of hell. This man of God, this man just before he's being crucified is saying, look, don't fall for that lie. You can fall from your secure position. He's saying instead, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, our Lord Jesus, our Savior. To him be glory both now and forevermore. He's saying, look, don't believe these men who are saying, You can't be saved from your sin. He's saying, don't believe him. If you look at what this same man had to say, let me look at it quickly with you. I'll turn to it. If you look in the book of Acts, In the book of Acts, listen to this. You've heard me preach this. The day of Pentecost, the people are cut to the heart. They're saying, what should we do? I pray right now that you are cut to the heart. I pray right now that you know how to engage in earnest prayer, not shallow prayer, earnest, heart-broken prayer before a holy God. What shall we do? And Peter replies, repent. Repent. 
Repent. Turn from your sin. Renounce it. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Many of you were baptized in the water, but you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So you've never been regenerate. You've never left your sins. Because bishops and pastors and prophets and evangelists have told you, oh, you can't leave your sin. Just say you love Jesus and say, I repent of my sin, and then you're covered and you're good to go. No, you're not. No, you're not. Don't tell me you're saved. What are you saved from? And what are you saved to? You can only be saved from your sins if you stop sinning. Then he says, after he healed the the crippled man in the name of Jesus. This is Acts, the third chapter, verse, verse 19. Repent then. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent. One of the great problems I face as a pastor on the radio, and I'm very aware of it, and I'm crying out to God about it, I greatly desire to begin holding revival meetings in this city in a space not as a church, but simply revival meetings for any man or woman who wants to come and get right with God, who wants to confess their sin, Part of the problem I'm facing on this radio, and I plead with you to pray for me, is that many of you plug in for a few minutes to a message, you hear a little bit, and then you're off on whatever it is that's so important to you. So I'll have people who will start to listen, and then the phone rings, so they'll go answer the phone. They're not taking this word seriously. Are you? It takes hearing a consistent message calling you to repentance and holiness before the Spirit of God will begin to take a hold of your heart and cause you to begin to pray. You can't pray in the shallowness of your heart, in the dishonesty of your heart. You'll pray like a child. Now I lay me down to sleep. And you'll go to sleep on Jesus. There has to come into your heart an urgency, a passion for Jesus, where you leave behind all the works of darkness and you begin to cry out to Jesus. You will be enticed by your sin and you will be held captive by your sin if you are not with full eyes on Jesus, if you don't turn away from the things of this world the flesh and the devil, even things that are very pleasant things. What are you going to do when when your children are hungry? When your landlord says you have to move out because you can't pay? What are you going to do when your children are crying? Are you going to turn to violence and go rob somebody 
I had a man say to me, Oh, Pastor, I don't need to make any preparation. I know you've made some preparation, and so I'll come to your house. I said, No. Now's the time to prepare. He said, Pastor, if it comes down to it, I'll bring my firearm, and I will shoot you if I have to to get your food, because I'm not going to let my family starve to death. This is a Christian man. I was shocked. I was dismayed. Now is the time to repent. Some of you are so far away from Jesus that if you began praying right now, you'd probably starve before you got to him. Not because he's far away, but because you're far away from him. Your heart is cold and hard. A lack of prayer, a lack of repentance, a lack of integrity. You've just enjoyed the wonderful American life and you've gone along with it, but you've not gotten serious with him. And so... Repent. Turn to God that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Peter is very clear. Over here in Peter, the second chapter, he says, there will be false prophets among the people just as there will be false teachers among you. And they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they've made up. Like the one internationally known pastor. If I named him, you'd know him. He made up a story. He said, if your child is loved by you, if that child does something wrong, are you going to kick him out of the family? No, of course not. You have unconditional love for him. And he went on to say, if you have said, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior, and I have repented of my sin, even though very casually, he said, then you cannot be kicked out of the family of God. That's a heresy he made up. It's a heresy that he made up that cheapens the blood of Jesus Christ. For he's saying the blood of Jesus Christ is no better than that of the animals of the Old Testament sacrifices, that you are declared righteous and God is unconditional in his love. Those are heresies. They are sins against Almighty God. God does not have unconditional sin, unconditional love, or he would not have a place called hell reserved for the devil and for those who serve the devil in the pride of their heart. And so they have introduced destructive heresies, denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, denying the power of the blood to wash them clean. These are false teachers. If God did not spare angels when they sinned, 
but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment? If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of the lawless men, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the sinful nature and despise authority. Have I just described you? It says that God is going to hold the ungodly, but he's going to continue the punishment right now, which means when he brings judgment on the land, He is going to continue that judgment until there is repentance in the heart of the people. You are called today to repent, to get right with Jesus. I want to say just a word before the program ends. For those of you who are clean before God, it is of the utmost importance that you share earnest cries before God for the salvation of the sinners in America. It is of the utmost importance that you bestir yourselves like the five virgins who had extra oil. I'm telling you now the bridegroom is coming. Do you have your oil? It's time to wake up. It's time to cry aloud to the Lord God of heaven and ask him to bring repentance to the people, to prepare them for the coming bridegroom, for Jesus is coming again. Now people are going to poo-poo you, and they're going to say you're being a fanatic and nothing's going to happen. But look at what happened with this pandemic Two or three weeks ago, we could not have imagined everybody being restrained and kept in their homes. Money gone. No longer able to work. We were living in America paycheck to paycheck before this happened. And now, how do we survive? So those of you who are not walking in any known sin before God. I love you. It's time to be earnest before God and pray. Pray for the repentance of America. Pray for our president, our Congress. It's time to pray. Let's do that right now. O Lord, I come today pleading your mercy. I come today pleading, Almighty God, turn America. 
return America. Breathe upon us, Lord God of heaven. Send your Holy Spirit. Break the pride and the arrogance. Break the wickedness. Lord, in this time of approaching famine, in this time of sickness, in this time of crisis, Lord, many have just settled in their houses and say, it'll be over soon. But Lord, we're going to be locked down at least for the month of April, into the month of June, maybe longer. Lord, how will your people survive? Lord, how will the churches survive? Lord, churches are desperately in debt. One church Two million dollars plus in debt, going offering to offering. Well, Lord, without the offerings coming in, how will they survive? Almighty God of heaven, we're in such a dire place, and it's because of our sin. It's because of the abortions, the shedding of innocent blood. It's because of our rejection of of your laws, of morality, of decency. It's because of our greed. It's because of our violence. And Lord, you have allowed your judgment to fall upon America and the whole world. Lord, I pray you will bring reality to our minds and our hearts, that you will cause people to repent everywhere that you will cause men and women to get on their faces before you and weep over their sin and over their family's sin and over America's sin. Lord, I ask for a great soberness, a great somberness to come over America. I ask, Lord, that you pour out your Holy Spirit. I ask that you bring revival in this nation. Lord, many saints are sound asleep. Lord, what will it take to cause them to awaken and say the bridegroom is coming? Lord, I know you're coming again. I know that if you don't come quickly in our lifetime, our lives will perish and it will be the end for us. Lord, I plead your grace and your mercy for people today. Lord, I don't ask you to comfort us in America. I ask you to stir us up that we would repent. It's not enough for us to pray that you will stop this COVID-19 virus. It's not enough for us to say, stay your hand. Lord, we must also repent. Lord, we're so filled with arrogance. We're so filled with ourselves and our plans. But Lord, you've stopped all of that. You've stopped the vacations. You've stopped the parties. You've stopped the shopping. You've stopped the jobs. Oh, Lord, 
Would you come in power today? In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would, if the Lord is prompting you, and you'd like to help cover the last day, the $340, would you call right now, 877-534-0780, and would you help cover on this last day of March that I could continue next month preaching the gospel of Jesus to you and calling, calling you to repent. That's 877-534-0780. You can also write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or you can go online. Thank you to the many who have done that. Nationalprayerchapel.com and you can give online with your credit card. God bless you, my brother, my sister. God says, repent now. I love you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'll talk to you soon. Keep you from falling and to present you blameless Before the presence of His glory with great joy Christ, oh.